If you would take your Bibles with me, let's, we're going to be, and said, who, he who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sent me, I'm sorry, let's start that again, shall we? Jesus cried out and said, he who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to the world, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is that is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life, therefore the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Father, once again, as we turn to your word, we need your help. Clearly, in the manner in which I've just read your word, I need your help this morning. I pray that you would give it, Father, that we would learn what you have for us to learn. Not simply, Father, so that we might know this particular portion of your word in our minds, but that it might take hold in our hearts that our lives might be affected by what we see here today. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're not quite there yet, but if Google is accurate, this week on the 21st, we will experience the longest night of the year. For thousands of years, people have celebrated what is commonly referred to as the winter solstice. After that point, the days begin to get shorter again, and we are looking forward to sun. Most of us don't prefer darkness, I would hope particularly given what Scripture says about loving the darkness. Darkness is typically looked upon as a negative thing. In fact, Scripture often speaks of darkness as the place where evil dwells and the condition which is preferred by wicked people. Of course, another reason we tend not to like the darkness is because we can't see where we're going. The darkness is where we stumble and fall. Last week, while we were playing Pastor Trivia, Eric mentioned in passing a story I've told before about walking through an old World War II bunker down at the Jersey Shore. My friends and I thought it was a great idea to walk through this bunker, which was deep and long and dark. In fact, the deeper one walked into this bunker, the darker it got until Finally, it was pitch black. I literally could not see my hand in front of my face. 
You might ask why we were doing this, and I have no idea. All I can tell you is that we were 14. What we did not know when we entered the bunker, I should say one of the things that we did not know when we entered the bunker, because there was a myriad of things we did not know, but one of the things that we did not know is that there were holes in the floor of this bunker. We discovered this fact only when I found myself hanging from my elbows, my feet dangling in midair. I still have no idea how far I would have fallen had I not then possessed teenage reflexes. That was the deepest darkness I've ever experienced. I recently listened to a pastor speak of growing up in Scotland. He spoke of how around this time of the year it starts getting dark at 2.30 in the afternoon and the sun has completely set by 3.45. It does not rise again until 9 o'clock the next morning. Those Scottish winters, he said, are cold and wet and dark and they seem to go on forever. He recounted how as a child he would leave for school in the morning and then come home from school in the afternoon all in complete darkness. That's the reason, he said, that most Scottish children look forward to Christmas because it's always been a time when that darkness is interrupted by light. It was surely that which inspired the Christmas hymn in the bleak midwinter. We here in New York may not experience winters like our Scottish brethren, but Christmas functions the same way for us. We put up lights and trees and suddenly there is light in the December darkness. The Bible speaks of spiritual darkness, of course. John 3.19 says that men loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Paul says in Ephesians 5.11 that we are to have no fellowship with the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Satan, we're told, rules over a kingdom of darkness. And the whole world lives in darkness. But there is good news. Jesus says in our text today, I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Christmas is a time of light shining in the darkness when the angels announced that the, uh, to the shepherds that the Messiah had been born, the light of their glory shone round about, we're told. Sometime after His birth, a bright star shone in the darkness over the house where Jesus and Mary and Joseph then lived, guiding the wise men to that place where he was. So this morning, I want you to join me in seeking to understand what Jesus means when he says that he has come as light 
so that we need not remain in darkness. This past week, I once again had the privilege of conducting chapel for the children of the Christian Academy that meet here in our facility. One of the things I spoke to them about was the incarnation, which, as I explained to them, is how we speak of the fact that Jesus came into the world, God become man. Of course, if Jesus came into the world, we're immediately led to another question, which is, where did He come from? And as we discussed last week, if Jesus came into the world, He must have come from somewhere. Scripture doesn't leave us in the dark as to the answer to that question. We know from the very first verses of John's Gospel that in the beginning, He was with God. That's where He came from. When He came into the world. This is fleshed out for us in other passages Philippians chapter 2, for instance. But the point is that Jesus came, and He came for a purpose. Over the past few weeks, we've been seeking to answer the question, why did Jesus come? And in doing so, we've been listening to the answers that Jesus Himself provides here in the Gospel of John. Here in chapter 12, we find a third aspect of that answer, and that's what we want to examine together today. We have seen already in John chapter 6 that Jesus told us He came in order to do the Father's will. And the Father's will was for Jesus to give eternal life to all those whom the Father had given to Him. In John chapter 10, we heard Jesus tell us that He came not only to give us life, but to give us abundant life. This morning, here in John chapter 12, we hear Jesus telling us that He has come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in Him would not remain in darkness. And that's primarily what we're going to focus on this morning. Those words of Jesus in verse 46, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. So in addition to what we have already seen here, Jesus is telling us another aspect of the purpose for which He has come that He came that first Christmas to bring light into darkness. And of course, if we just stop for a moment and think about this, we get some idea of the impression that words like this would make upon those original hearers. We can't get away from light. We just flip a switch and we have all the light that we could want. Obviously, that wasn't the case in the first century. You might have a little flame flickering, but typically, sun goes down, the day's over. Nothing to do, let's go to bed. And there are no street lights, and there, are, there, there is no, what I have heard called, light pollution. 
Have you ever been somewhere where there's not very much light around and you've looked up into the sky? It's an entirely different sky. Ground light dims heaven's light. But there was no such thing in the first century. And so when Jesus spoke of darkness, these people knew what darkness was. And Jesus says to them, I have come as light. Just for a little bit of context, these words were spoken leading up to His last Passover there in Jerusalem. He is about to be betrayed, arrested, and crucified. It is in that context of that final Passover that we find Jesus speaking these words. Look at verse 44. You'll notice that John's preface to Jesus' words, Jesus cried out and said, this is something that we have seen a number of times, if we're paying attention to it, as you read through the Gospel of John, he does this time and time again elsewhere in his Gospel. And each time it is full of urgency and authority and hope. You see it back in chapter 7, verse 37, where we read that Jesus cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus cries out because He wants to offer thirsty, parched, starving people living water. And it's a matter of great urgency to us. Because that's the kind of people we are until Jesus finds us. And until the Spirit draws us. We might not realize it, but that's who we are. People dying of thirst. And the only water which can quench that thirst is the living water which comes through Jesus Christ. Another incident in which we find these words spoken come to us just in the previous chapter. In verse 43 of chapter 11, we find what many point to as a turning point in John's Gospel. It is that event which will cause the Jewish leaders to determine to have Jesus crucified. There in chapter 11, we read about the raising of Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead for three days and Jesus comes to the tomb and he, we're told that He cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the man Lazarus came out alive again from the tomb in obedience to his master's summons. And now here, one more time, Jesus lifts up his voice and he cries out with all of the same urgency and same hope, the same offer of good news. This time, Jesus doesn't speak to an individual, but to every one of us. He lifts up His voice to summon us to step out of our darkness and into His light. Here is an impassioned call. 
from the lips of Jesus Himself to you and to me and to everyone this Christmas. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. I just want to ask two questions of Jesus here this morning. Number one, what does it mean that we are walking in darkness? He's come so that we will not remain in darkness. That means that before Christ comes to us, we are in darkness. The only choice is whether or not to remain where we are, or, as Paul says, to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. That's the choice. There's no third option. So we are in darkness. What does that mean? Secondly, we want to address the question, what does it mean that Jesus came as light? So Jesus came as light so that everyone who believes in Him will not remain in darkness. So what does it mean that we are in darkness? Well, you might know that light and dark are favorite images in the writings of John, particularly in this Gospel. They are used to describe the grace of God, and what it does in the life of an individual who follows Jesus. So John's focus, as he determined what to include in his Gospel, was this theme of light and darkness. And Jesus' emphasis is that unlike Jesus, who came into this world as light, you and I come into this world as darkness. The world itself is dark, and so are we. That darkness is a means of describing both the world into which we came and that which is within us. It was Jesus' way of describing our sin and our need. So, for example, John chapter 1, verse 5 in speaking about Jesus coming into the world, says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness is opposed to the light. It would, if it could, overcome the light, though it can't. A little later in John chapter 3 and verse 19, Jesus says, Men loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. The darkness then is the realm of evil deeds and rebellion and sin. And that is the realm which naturally our hearts incline. Even later still in John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So John comes back to this again and again and again and again, and it's not coincidental. John didn't come 
to the end of the writing of his gospel, go back and read through it, surprised that he said so much about light and darkness. This was intentional. John had the entire ministry of Jesus to choose from. Elsewhere, John says, Listen, if I wrote everything that Jesus said and did, the world could not contain the books which would be necessary. So when John sits down to write the Gospel, yes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's thinking things through. He's not just scratching out whatever happens to come to mind. And this is one of the things that he wants to focus on. As you read through his Gospel, as you read through his epistles, as you read even through Revelation, you cannot miss the fact that all of these documents are written by the same man. Because there are certain themes that he comes back to again and again and again. And lightness and dark is one of them. So there are then these two realms which Christ describes. There is the light of life, which we'll speak of in a moment, and that life that light of life is available to anyone who will follow Christ. But what does that mean? If we have to move into the light of life, it means that before one does so, they dwell in the darkness of death. And this is the bad news. We are not only born into darkness, but we are born into the condition of darkness. What that means is the darkness is not just out there. How much darkness have we seen recently? We've seen darkness in Israel. We've seen darkness, unbelievably, in our own Senate. As horrible things are taking place and the ones who are doing those things, whether it's the perversions that we've seen take place within the Senate, or whether it's the horrible murder and atrocity taking place in Israel and other places around the world, what we're seeing is not something that is out there. What we're seeing is something that's in here. We may not have committed those evils, but evil is within us. Darkness is within us. It's my native condition. And it's yours too. This is the bad news. Without which, the message of the angels to the shepherds makes no sense at all. What sense can it make to be told of good news, of great joy for all people, unless there is that contrasting bad news? Without understanding the nature of darkness, we are always going to struggle to understand the meaning of Christmas. 
The hard truth is, each and every one of us were born in the darkness of sin. We walk the paths of our lives in the darkness of spiritual ignorance, and we dwell every day in the darkness of spiritual death until we follow Christ. Until His light comes to shine on us. Jesus says in our text that no one needs to remain in that darkness a single second longer if they will but come. And that's what Christmas is for. To chase away the darkness. I have come as light into the world. So that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. And there, brothers and sisters, there we have a statement of the universality of the Gospel. Who can come? Anyone. Everyone. Everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Jesus didn't just come to Israel. He came to the world so that everyone in the world who would believe in Him, who would follow Him, who would trust in Him, would no longer remain in darkness. I don't know whether you're aware of this or not, but not far from here, just up the Taconic a bit in LaGrangeville, lives the holder of the Guinness Book of World Record for the largest number of Christmas lights on a private residence. We see this in all those stupid Christmas comedies, right? You have all these competitions in the neighborhood who can get the most lights on their house. Well, this family put up 700,000 Christmas lights all over their property. I'm glad their utility bill isn't coming to me in January. People come from all over to see this extraordinary home. 700,000 lights. Our passage is telling us we don't need 700,000 lights to scatter the darkness of our sin and our guilt in the sight of God. We need only one light, and He is Jesus. But the text goes further. It not only tells us that we need only one light, but it's telling us that there is only one light that is capable of piercing that darkness. Jesus has come as that light, He says. And that's the second thing to see here. What did Jesus mean when He said, I have come as light? What was He talking about? The context helps us a little bit. First of all, how does Jesus shine His light? Look at verse 47 through the end of the chapter. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him. 
For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father told me. How does Jesus function as light in this dark world? And how do you get His light shining into your heart so that you don't have to remain in darkness? Jesus says, the light dawns in our lives by His Word. He speaks. And whether or not we remain in darkness depends upon whether we listen to Him. How do we respond to His Word? The answer to that question determines everything else. It's very clear in our passage, isn't it, that you cannot believe in Jesus and not receive His Word, and not keep His Word, and not trust His Word. Jesus says elsewhere, if you love Me, you'll keep My commandments. Recently, I saw an interview with a woman who makes her living on something called OnlyFans. Apparently, it's a website or something like that. And she displays herself. And men pay her. And as she was being interviewed, she had a big cross hanging around her neck. And the interviewer asked her about it. And all she would do is keep repeating, keep repeating, keep repeating, God loves me. God loves me. He doesn't care what I do. He'll always love me. And Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus says, I bring light into the darkness. And if you hear my word, if you obey my word, you won't remain in darkness. But of course, the opposite of that is also true. If you ignore my word, you will remain in darkness. You can say all the nice, religious, spiritual-sounding things you want if your life does not reflect the righteousness of Christ. You are not His. If you think you can say His name, wear His cross, and do anything that you wish, you are not His. Discipleship means something. Walking in the light means something. So how we respond to His Word determines everything. 
You can't believe in Jesus and not receive His Word. You can't claim to be one of His and not obey His Word. I fear that is, like this woman, actually the absurd position that so many people hold. Particularly at Christmas time. We're going to gather together for worship just as we always do next week, only next week's going to be Christmas Eve. I expect we'll have a few more people with us. I keep thinking back to that cartoon that I saw once. Someone coming out of church. I think the cartoon specified Easter, but it works for Christmas. People are coming out and they're greeting the pastor and one person says, why is it every time I come here you're talking about the same thing? We all know them. Of course I'm a Christian. Oh, really? What church are you a member of? I'm not a member of any church. I go Easter and Christmas, maybe. I believe in Jesus. I don't believe what He says. But I'm a Christian, because after all, I'm an American, and I'm not Jewish. I'm not Muslim. I guess I'm a Christian. That's absurd. The way Jesus shines the light He came to give into your heart is through the Gospel. It's through His Word. It's through the Scriptures. And the only way that you provide any evidence that that light has penetrated your heart is through your life. Not your words. If His Word shines the light of life into the dark blackness of our hearts, surely we ought to listen. The light of the world is shining in His Gospel. What a shame it would be if you decorate your home with lights while you yourself stay in the darkness of sin. Because you refuse to listen to Him who is light. And what does Jesus' light reveal? Verse 44 says, Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in Me does not believe in Me, but in Him who sent Me. Jesus, because He is the light, enables us to see the Father. That's what He's saying. In fact, there is no other way to see God. Jesus is very clear about this elsewhere. No one comes to the Father except through Me. If you want God, you must have Jesus. That's the question that you must ask this Christmas. Do you have Jesus? Do you have the light of life? Or do you simply have the trappings that once a year you attach to His name? 
So the light of Jesus reveals the Father. There's one other thing that Jesus' light reveals. If you don't respond to His light by trusting Him, bowing before Him, embracing Him, that you might see the Father in Him, then His light will one day expose you. And we try to cover our broken, messy lives. Our sinful, guilty hearts with a nice veneer of, Christ, of, of Christmas festivity. Right? And we hope that who we really are will be hidden by the trees and the lights and the food. But look at what Jesus says in verse 48. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. I want you to understand why Christmas is actually a matter of extraordinary urgency. Jesus came as light, and the light shines as an emergency beacon into our darkness, warning us that judgment is coming. It would be easy, I think, to give you a series of Christmas sermons filled with silly jokes and fuzzy feelings. Preachers can often manipulate audiences in that way. We can speak in such a way as to be calculated not to disturb the nostalgia of the season, the festive mood. But I want to give you something far better, something far more joyous, more satisfying, more enduring. I want the One who declared Himself to be light to shine into your heart. So that Christmas is not just the superficial. It's not just the external. It's inside. It brings about permanent change. In a few weeks, We'll all stay after the service and we'll take down all of these beautiful decorations. The tree you have in your living room will either be put back in the box or thrown out on the street. The trappings will come and go. If Christ is Christmas for you, he remains always. That's what I desire for you. That you never again walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so as you go from here into all the fun and celebration that the coming weeks are going to bring, I do desire that this time be full of great joy and happiness 
for you. But how sad it would be if when the parties have ended and the carols have been sung and the guests have departed and the festivities are finally over that you've missed the actual point of Christmas. And you come into January in just as deep a darkness as you have been throughout your entire life. Jesus came as light. It's my prayer that if He has not yet done so, that that light of Christ would pierce your heart. He came as light that whoever believes in Him may not remain in darkness. Father, thank You for the light The darkness is evident. We see it all around us and we see it within us. But Father, we also, by Your grace, can see the light of Christ. May we who have experienced that light desire, Father, to be light ourselves as we communicate the Word of Christ to those with whom we come in contact. And Father, for those who don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about the light, oh Father, open their hearts that they might understand. Open their eyes that they might see. Open their ears that they might hear. Pray, Father, that the light of Christ would pierce that darkness that no longer would they remain there, but that they might find themselves bathed in the light of the kingdom of Christ. This is our prayer this day. In Jesus' name, Amen.